Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Have you ever told a lie? Sure you have. We all have. But have you ever told a lie that reality made true? No? Well, now you can with Monty Cook Games' new RPG, Stealing Stories for the Devil. 
Become a liar of cosmic proportions, twisting the truth to the breaking point to realize your heart's desire and ultimately save reality itself. Welcome to a new RPG experience with zero preparation, where you play master thieves from the future who can tell lies that come true. Getaway car won't start? No problem. Just tell the transmission it was fixed yesterday and make your escape. Cops pull you over red-handed? Easy peasy. Just lie to them about a bank job on 6th Street they need to rush off to. But while these powers will serve you well, you're not the only one telling whoppers. Someone else is also stretching the truth. So much so, they might end up breaking reality. Time to put your talents to use and save the day before all your fun is ruined. To get in on the action, check out the Kickstarter, The Devil Made Us Do It, at www.mymcg.info forward slash dark fantasy, or click the link in the episode description and experience the next exciting new game from Monty Cook Games. I wasn't prepared for my absolute disinterest in Greg's help. It wasn't his clumsy, fumbling attempt to put some kind of psychological structure around my made-up problem. It was the fact that I didn't really have any use for his input. I had reacted almost mechanically when I made the appointment with him. It seemed like the right thing to do after killing another human being. I thought the mental numbness was temporary and that it was only a matter of time before the guilt and the terror leaked in. But my icy indifference remained, even beneath my constant blistering scrutiny and the most intense self-imposed consequences I could cook up. In fact, despite the efforts I put into dispelling the realization, I think I was proud of myself. The real problem, if it could be called that, was that my pride was attached to the wrong thing. I wasn't proud of eliminating such a monster from the world. I was proud that I had proved capable of the act itself, murder. I felt like I had overcome some kind of invisible barrier a trained resistance to the fullest measure of my potential. 
All of a sudden, my presence seemed to take up more space, as if my thoughts and actions had grown beyond my shitty little cubicle of conditioned existence. My eyes fearlessly wandered the world around me now, meeting and matching the stares of strangers, moving over shamelessly the things I desired, and burning small smoking holes into the things that pissed me off. Greg had just cleared his throat, trying to look as professional as his youthful face would allow. He began to talk about how my desire to hurt the man who had recently groped me at an interview for a magazine I'd been commissioned to write for was only natural. That I should realize the balance between anger and reason is especially difficult to maintain when personal space is violated. Of course, the whole story was just a concoction for the sake of getting some advice, which might hopefully veer somewhat close to my real problem. But anger had nothing to do with what I'd done, for better or worse. I realized there was no sense in continuing with my therapy. I don't even remember what I told him before rising from my chair and leaving his office. I never saw him again. As I neared the exit of the building, my resolute footsteps echoing off the polished floor, I felt like I was too big to be contained within the cold, sterile walls that threatened to hem me in. The second I stepped outside, I filled the entire sidewalk, the streets, the sky, just like the smile that nearly swallowed my face. I tried to convince myself that my buoyancy came from acting out against demons, from possessing the balls to do what needed to be done rather than only what was allowed. But that notion was as much bullshit as the story I'd fed to Greg, no deeper than a few careless thoughts beneath the surface. All I really consisted of at that moment was excitement, to see what my new confidence might lead to, professionally and otherwise. For the first time, I felt that I was on the offensive in my investigation. Grammy Rose had confided in me at Cleaver Point that one of the killers in the witch's inner circle had recently been caught and placed in a maximum security psychiatric hospital. The man's name was Dylan Wicket, or as the press was fond of calling him, Dylan Wicked. I'd been following his story closely. He had a nasty fondness for turning his victims into dead toys. His most famous murder entailed placing an entire troop of actors inside one another, each hollowed corpse containing the body of the next victim. The little person of the group, known for his brilliant performance as a comically angry Napoleon, formed the final and center body of the dead Matryoshka nesting doll. The drive out to the nut house was a long one through rolling hills and nameless forests, affording me far too much time for self-examination. But at that point, I was too far gone to fall for any cathartic inner monologue, regardless of how accurate it might have been. So I let it go. I was hot on the trail of the biggest story of my crappy career. However I had come by my confidence, I wasn't giving it up for the world. I had no idea how I was going to get in to see Mr. Wicket, but I was giddy with momentum, certain I would figure something out. Just before reaching Ohm's Institution for the Mentally Infirm, I ran headfirst into a monster of a thunderstorm. 
Lightning seemed to fall from the sky as often as the raindrops, and my flash-blinded eyes were barely capable of picking out the shape of the nuthouse as it rose up out of the tempest. The wipers made a feverish whirring sound as they struggled to cope with the rain, yet it seemed to bring order to my thoughts. For a second, I became fully aware of what I was doing and why I was doing it. Similar to the awful clarity that used to greet me in the mornings after spending the night inside a bottle. In that stark void, I sat face to face with every worthless, shitty truth about myself that I'd sought to drown in alcohol. But the most recent truth was more than just shitty. I was a killer. It didn't matter what my intentions were or how justified the act may have been. And beyond all that, something else was wrong with me. Something old Grammy Rose kept saying to me. The thunder exploded and the rain vanished as my car slipped into the small parking garage near the mental facility. My near realization was as lost to me as the world was when the wine ran red and sweet through my veins. The place didn't look anything like I had imagined. It was old and quite run down, likely starving from a pronounced famine of funding. State and even federal funds were generally pretty slim this close to the failed financial gamble that was the defunct city of New Victoria. As I crossed the parking lot, making my way to the clearly marked visitors portion of the building, it seemed like the asylum was sidling up to me as I watched the rain and lightning fall from the sky. Inside, the place looked even worse. I wondered if I'd somehow managed to mistake some rundown warehouse for an asylum. I approached a small man sitting behind a water-damaged wooden desk, and my actions became automatic. One of my many practice pretenses took over as a phony smile spread across my face. I gave him a line about writing an op-ed on mental health for a local paper, but my words were wasted. His eyes were empty, devoid of any concern whatsoever. He mumbled an invitation while waving toward a nearby hallway with almost a shooting gesture. Not believing my luck, I thanked him for his time and I went on my way. As I pushed further into the huge facility, I couldn't help but feel somewhat chilled by its ghostly interior. The hallways were dim and flickering, mostly lit by one or two sickly fluorescent lights. Offices and storage rooms sat filled with mildewing boxes of paperwork and rusted filing cabinets. Rows of broken windows filled with mindless tangles of razor wire and torn plastic sheeting ogled the mold-blackened hallways and the storm made everything all the creepier. I found it hard to fathom that this ramshackle dump was all that stood between people like Wicket and the rest of the world. Barely visible arrows painted on the walls indicated where things were, and I soon found myself in a half-lit gymnasium. It contained a couple of workout machines, all rusted and non-functioning. As I navigated the puddles spread out across the cracked cement floor, compliments of the many holes in the ceiling, a uniformed woman limped into view across the gym from a shadowy hallway. Fake smile in place, I made my way over to her. She was as drab as her surroundings and as silent as her colleague, accepting my story without reservation. Showing me to a corridor, she told me to follow it until I reached the room at the very end she would arrange to have Wicket brought to me. 
A large, grim orderly passed us in the hall, pushing an oversized wheelbarrow with two shackled men inside. A tangle of arms and legs, they had been beaten to bloody gristle. Only their slight wheezing indicated they were alive at all. I realized why the asylum had been built in the relative nothingness surrounding New Victoria. In the middle of nowhere, next to a dead city, this place was forgotten, and they could treat the patients accordingly. By the time I reached the end of a hallway lined on either side with old, disused cells, I had lost the momentum of my ill-gotten confidence. The gloom and storm had conspired to drag it out of me. I slumped onto a metal chair in a lonely room, nothing more than a damp and doubtful liar, among other things, waiting for a guy who turned people into gory toys. A brilliant lightning strike killed the lights. In the darkness that followed, a clicking sounded on the cement of the hallway. I swallowed a shriek, bolting from the chair and flattening myself against the far wall. The clicking drew closer and paused. A crooked cackling bubbled up from the depths of something warm and wet. Told you, didn't old Grammy Rose? I told you, some evils just can't settle for dying. <laughs> the scream I had previously swallowed was coming back up fast. I could feel it flooding the back of my throat as I crushed myself into the mold-encrusted corner of the horrible little room. The thunder crashed, and somewhere behind the shrill ringing in my ear, I could hear the clicking of giant pacing paws. The lights came back on, and I opened my eyes. A man was being wheeled through the hallway inside some weird container. I somehow knew it was Dylan Wicked. The lights flickered all around him as if he were making them jumpy. I had no idea where the Bowers had gotten to, but I wasn't exactly sure I made out any better for what replaced them. The contraption they had Mr. Wicked imprisoned in looked eerily similar to a coffin, and I repressed a small shudder as it crossed the threshold of the room. All that separated the container from a casket were the little vents near the top, allowing the man to breathe and perhaps see... The thin, sad-looking orderly that wheeled him in seemed utterly unfazed by his payload, depositing the killer in the corner with all the pomp of dropping a body bag. Press this button when you finish with him, said the grubby little man, gesturing to a blue button on the wall. If you're smart, you won't get any closer than you already are. The man slunk back into the hallway in its stuttering orange light, disappearing around a corner. The room had a number of windows, even possessing a cracked skylight, the storm flashing and pattering it with rain. It was a storm alone that commanded the attention of the killer. All I could see of him were his eyes as they reflected the gray of the leaden sky. He still hadn't so much as looked at me. After several moments, his eyes drifted back down to earth, shedding the storm and taking on the gloom of the dank room. When his attention fell upon me, I could feel it moving. Unlike the gaze of other men, 
His didn't grasp at me, but burrowed all the way down to my core, a place filled with dirty secrets and dead old ladies. By the time he spoke, I already felt like his next victim. Thank you for bringing me out into the rain. It's been a while since I've seen a good storm. I rarely get a chance to look outside, and when I do, it's usually unbearably bright out. My eyes aren't at all well suited to the light, you see. He took a deep breath, as if on a stroll through autumn leaves. Now that we're properly alone, I'm sure you're eager to get down to business. What did you want to see me about? His words were innocent enough, but I could feel them surrounding me, positioning themselves. How had he gained control of the room from inside a box? I put on my best journalist voice. Well, I was wondering if you could tell me something about a particular woman you might have known. <laughs> I've come to know quite a few women in my time. Some more intimately than others, certainly. But tell me, does this woman have a name? And while we're on the topic, might I know yours? Look, I'm not gonna lie to you. You scare the shit out of me. So if it's all the same to you, I'd like to leave my name out of our conversation. I understand, of course. You're more than welcome to remain anonymous. Is there anything else I can do to put you at greater ease? Beyond the coffin that currently separates us? It's the word currently that really concerns me, Mr. Wicket. You're a famously clever individual, and should you ever manage your way out of this place, I'd rather you didn't stop by mine for a visit. I'm just trying to be as cautious as I can, you understand. Yet you came here, under the shadow of New Victoria, during a roaring thunderstorm, to see me. This woman you're interested in must be terribly important, indeed. He'd already figured out how important the witch was to me. Well, yes, I suppose she is. And her name? I don't know. I was actually hoping that if I described her well enough, you might be able to tell me. Then please, by all means, describe her to me. I'm eager to know what makes this woman so special to you. Well, I've recently spoken with a former... affiliate of yours. She was a member of the Bowers family. I paused to see if the name drop would have any effect. It didn't. She mentioned to me that she had once made your acquaintance through a common associate, um, a woman who often traveled with two gigantic men and two young girls. His gaze left me, rising back up to the storm. I'm afraid you might have wasted your time and courage. Even I don't know her name. I doubt many do. He sighed again, as if steeling himself against an especially painful recollection. I knew a little something about how the witch twisted the people she happened across, so I took a shot in the dark. She's your mother, isn't she? Cold menace replaced the air of the tiny room, and the gaze of the killer fell from the storm like lightning itself. A bead of sweat licked my temple. In the suffocating silence, the door of the coffin clicked open.
We'd like to give a special shout-out to our patrons who make this all possible. Helenius, Zach Neen, Alyssa Lindler, John Nemechek, ADHD is a consultant now, Abyssal B, Coasira Luminarium, Peter, Sarah Zartolamna, Nick, K. Davis, G-Man, Andrew Knott, Thesis Ascendant, David Gregory, Ian Hagen, Jonathan Shank, Kurt Kornfeld, Deborah Carpenter, and Sarah Anselm. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 